Good morning, Gold Avenue Church family and friends and guests that are joining us. This is Pastor Gina, and I am just so grateful to be able to bring this Resurrection Day message to you. Today, the Lord is giving us a wonderful opportunity to um, see how the prophetic messages of the Old Testament culminate in the wonderful news of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so this message is going to be based on Ezekiel 18, verses 30 to 32, and also John 11, 25 to 27, that I'll reference as we go along in the message. And so we're going to continue in our series of Go and Make Disciples. And last week, Pastor Julissa preached on Unit 13, Bent Towards Sin. And if you'll remember, she told us about how God's people fail to honor God as sovereign king. And with this continual bent towards sin and self-reliance, um, it just led to devastating effects. And so um, the people were building their own kingdoms instead of God's kingdom. And um, how tragic that was. And so today we're going to look at Gospel Tool Unit 14. And I'll read it now. By grace, some stay in relationship and role. With unmatched patience, God spends long centuries raising up leaders who, with his spirit upon them, call his people to return to God. These prophets, and occasionally priests and kings, repeatedly implore God's people to submit to his kingship and live faithful lives of righteousness, justice, and holiness. And so let's pray before we enter into the scripture this morning. Lord, we thank you for this resurrection day. We thank you for this day that we can join together with all of your people around the world to remember what you, Jesus, did for us. Lord, I pray that you would, by your spirit, that you would open your word up to us afresh, that you would um, cause our hearts again to hear the great love story of you who loved us so much and sent your very son to die in our place. Lord, I pray that you would refresh us, that you would revive us, and that you would fill our hearts with gratitude and praise and advance your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, as we get ready to read a short passage from Ezekiel, I just want to give you the context. Ezekiel is one of the Old Testament prophets who God calls to bring a message to God's people. And in summary, the message is this. Israel has defiled our worship. Does that sound familiar? Um, they haven't been a clean people. They haven't treated God's temple, the city, or the land properly. And the consequences of their ongoing sin is that they're going to be sent into exile. And God's grace that's also included in this um, passage and in this book of Ezekiel is that God would be faithful to revive and cleanse and regather and restore God's glory through his people. And so that's the context. That's the big overarching picture of Ezekiel. And we're going to listen in to just a short section um, Ezekiel 18, 30 to 32. So the prophet has told the people what the problem is, and he says, Therefore, you Israelites, 
I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your offenses. Then sin won't be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Repent and live. He repeats that word repent. And in um, the scripture, that word repent means to express a complete shift of attitude towards God and away from sin. So it's turning away from sin and turning toward God. The prophetic messages all through the Old Testament repeatedly called for God's people to repent. And I'm going to read some little excerpts from among many of those um, Old Testament prophets. And I want you to hear this through the lens of a loving father whose heart is that his children would turn and turn away from destruction and turn off the path that they're on and turn back to him. Isaiah, this is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Jeremiah 8.6 I have listened attentively, but they do not say what is right. None of them repent in their wickedness, saying, What have I done? Each pursues his own course like a horse charging into battle. Hosea 11, 4-6 I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt, and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. Amos 5, 14-17, another prophet, brings this message from God. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Hate evil. Love good. Maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the Lord God Almighty says, because you don't repent. There will be wailing in all the streets and cries of anguish in every public square. The farmers will be summoned to weep and the mourners to wail. There will be wailing in all the vineyards. For I will pass through your midst. Zephaniah 2, 1-3 Gather together, gather yourselves together, you shameful nation, before the decree takes effect. And that day passes like wind-blown chafe, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. 
Seek the Lord, all of you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Some, perhaps, you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. And finally, from Zechariah, this is 7, verses 8 to 14. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. But they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and covered their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord Almighty. I scattered them with a, like a whirlwind among all the nations where they were strangers. The land they left behind them was so desolate that no one traveled through it. This is how they made the pleasant land desolate. The symptom is sin. And our participation with sin is what's done this serious damage to our hearts. And so sin and their sinful actions is just a diagnosis of a problem. They need a new heart and a new spirit. It's fatal unless, as verse 33 says, rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? Well, what does he mean by get a new heart and a new spirit? That word heart is the Hebrew word love, and it means um, that that's at the center of the human from which springs our emotions, our thoughts, our motivations, our actions. And he's saying, get a new central operating system. And then get a new spirit, ruach. That means breath or spirit, and it's the living being in humans. So at the very core of humans is our spirit. And it's been um, contaminated by sin and damage so that we have this sinful nature and they need a new heart. Well, how can we tell that they and we need a new heart? Well, sin left us damaged, like I said, so that there is this constant bent towards sin and away from God. We as humans were made to receive and extend love. And sin has damaged our very nature, and we studied this early on in the effects of sin in our um, series. And due to sin, our central operating system is not oriented towards God and his kingdom purposes. And so our thoughts and our ways are not his thoughts and his ways. We've been abandoning, acknowledging God as a sovereign ruler, and we're trying to um, please ourselves and build our own kingdoms. We are the um, people of the Old Testament. We're sacrificing to other gods and trying to find other sources of joy and peace and love. Just like in our culture, in our world today, people are seeking all kinds of different 
spiritual experiences and trying to find joy and peace and love in so many other ways. And what are we finding? It's emptying. It's draining. And we, like the Israelites, are working harder and harder. And yet our lives are filled with anger and being tired and fearful. And we and they are hurting ourselves and hurting other people because we're not flourishing and we're not living any different than the lost and broken world around us. God's people were sick and they were on the road to death. And so are we without a new heart and a new spirit. And so Ezekiel says in verse 31, get a new heart and a new spirit. And throughout time, God's people cry out for help from God. And the psalmist in Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. It's really interesting, this word picture, to describe our condition, that we need a new heart. And some of you know I'm a registered nurse as well as a pastor. And so I started thinking about this picture of a new heart. And the heart is a muscle, it's deep inside of our chest cavity, and it's what keeps us alive. It's a muscle, and its purpose is to contract at regular intervals and to pump oxygen-rich blood to all the parts of our body so that we would be fully alive and able to function in the world. Well, when your heart is not functioning and it's seriously compromised, sometimes people are facing what they need as a heart transplant. And when their heart is bad, they're weak and they're tired. They might have some electrical problems in their heart and so erratic beating. And eventually their body systems start to shut down. When you need a new heart, when you're facing a heart transplant, there's a sense of urgency and desperation, knowing that death awaits unless there's a donor And a donor heart is received. And so I read some stories about heart transplant patients. Most of them knew that they were sick and they had been sick for a long time and declining. But I also read a story of a college student that just had an episode, went to the doctor and found out that they needed a heart transplant. And they went straight from the doctor's office to the hospital to wait and wait to see whether they would get the call that there was a a donor heart available. In the physical, if you need a heart transplant, you turn towards help, you turn to your doctor, you find out that you need a new heart, and then you wait for somebody to die so that you get what you need. That sounds pretty crass, but that's what happens when there's a need for a heart transplant. Now think with me about how God would choose this word picture of needing a new heart to um, represent what we need with a spiritual heart. The core of our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions were made to respond to love and to um, respond to the breath of the Holy Spirit, to energize, to empower every part of our lives. And so when our hearts, when the core of our being is as hard as a stone and not functioning, we aren't experiencing God's blessing or being able to bless others in this broken state. 
And so how does this work in the spiritual? How does one get a new heart? How do we get a new central operating system, a new nature, and a new spirit within us? Well, Ezekiel eleven nineteen says this, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And so we see that we can't fix our own hearts, but we need to go to God. And he says, I will do this. And he promises he will put a new heart and a new spirit in us. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Whoops, excuse me, I just read that wrong. The point is here that we need new hearts and that it is not in our own strength or ability to give us what we need. We have to go to the great physician God and ask him to do a transplant for him to do a new work in us. And friends, the whole world has this fatal prognosis, whether they know it or not. We're all facing an eternal death unless we get a heart and a spirit transplant. In the physical, we'll quickly move towards getting help and waiting for that call and hoping to go to surgery. In the spiritual, in the same way, will we hear the call of God recognize our miserable condition and turn to God for help. And that's what he sent the prophets over and over to tell them to turn to him, turn to him, turn to him. You're dying. You're dying. You're you're not living according to your purpose. And so turning to God for help. And today now I want to make a transition and I want to take our, we've seen our condition We need a new heart and a new spirit. And so we go to the New Testament, and in Mark 1, 14 and 15, it says that Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent, which means turn, and believe the good news. And so we're going to turn to follow Jesus. And begin to see the good news lived out right in front of us, like on the big screen, as we follow him through the gospel. And we think about the stories that we've um, read in the gospels about how Jesus lives. And we see Jesus living this model life that we were meant to live. Human beings were meant to be in an intimate relationship with the Father, full of love, hearts responding to his love, full of the Holy Spirit. And being a blessing to everybody. Jesus was living with a healthy heart in sync with the Father. He was living full of the Holy Spirit. And we see his life overflowing to touch so many lives that he was healing and people were being um, starting to flourish. And he was starting to, the kingdom of God was coming near, was breaking in. And he starts to restore life and order and love, and beauty, and joy. And we see Jesus come after um, Lazarus, his friend, had died. And Jesus comes to Lazarus' sister, and he says these powerful words to her. In John eleven twenty five 25 to 27, 
He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she says. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who's come into the world. Powerful, powerful words that Jesus speaks. And then these amazingly powerful deeds that he does. And he resurrects Lazarus from the dead. Resurrected, brought back to life. And we continue to see as we watch through the gospel all the way to the end, Jesus loves. He loves them to the end. He continues to live in sweet communion with his father and blessing all those who come to seek his help. Think of the examples. Think of what you know of Jesus from the Gospels, how he healed those who couldn't walk, how he restored um, muscles and nerves from the paralyzed that they could suddenly move again. How blind eyes were open, how broken hearts were healed, how shame was removed and dignity restored. This is our Jesus functioning fully in relationship with the Father, full heart of love and life by the Spirit. And we followed him through this past week, friends, Holy Week, as we've remembered and recalled how Jesus entered in on Palm Sunday being hailed as the king of the Jews, and by Friday, he's beaten, and he's mocked, and he's spit on, and he has a crown of thorns on his head, and he's nailed to a cross, and he's lifted up in complete humiliation. And I sense the Lord just saying, follow me to the cross. Follow me to the cross, and what do we see? We see this magnificent, unbelievable demonstration of love as Jesus is on that cross. Our king is suffering and he's taking our place and he's laying down his own life so that we can have a new heart and we can have a new spirit. This greatest act of love, his heart stops so that yours might be His spirit is given up so that you may receive his spirit. We followed him to the cross and then we follow him to the grave where they lay him. And then we follow him to resurrection day when all of a sudden they realize he's not here. He's risen. He's defeated death and the enemy and Jesus lives and because he lives we can live too we can be given this new heart this new spirit there is hope we are truly fully able to live an abundant life of love when we place our trust in Jesus Christ he doesn't literally give us a physical heart transplant what he does is he touches and resurrects And makes new our hearts, our internal operating system, our attitudes, our thoughts, our actions that flow out of them. Sanctified, restored, given the opportunity that now no longer are we bent always and forever against God. But we can again have choice just like they had in the Garden of Eden to obey. To recognize that God in his ways 
are better and higher and will flourish when we follow him. He does this by the work of the Holy Spirit as he brings new birth, resurrection life, and fills us with his Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5 5 says this, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. And we're at a pivotal point. We stand before a holy, sovereign, almighty God who offers us a new heart and a new spirit. Will we receive? Will we welcome this new heart in the Holy Spirit that Jesus gave his very life to make available to us? Will we accept the transplant? Friends, if you are on a heart list waiting for a heart, you are so eager for that transplant to happen. I want to ask you today, are you so eager to have a new heart and his spirit in you? Re-listen again to our text from Ezekiel 18, 30-32. This is what the Lord said to his people then. This is what the Lord says to his people and you right now. Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your offenses. Then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. In the physical, in the surgical suite, when that new heart begins to beat, there is wild and joyful celebration. And in the spiritual, when one person turns their heart to God and says, I need a new heart transplant. Replace my heart. And when that happens and we place our trust in Jesus Christ, there is a cosmic celebration. Not only does the church go wild, but God's people throughout eternity will be rejoicing. And there's rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. Turn away from sin. And when we receive this new heart in the physical when somebody has a heart transplant they didn't get the heart transplant to lay around in bed and just have their heart beat for the rest of their earthly life no they get that heart the new heart so that they can start to actually live and have experiences of life and doing things again in the same way when we receive a new heart and when his holy spirit comes to live in us, we're restored not to just exist and wait for Jesus to return. We're restored to be the original who God designed us to be from all eternity, a heart that reacts to the stimulus of his love. Every thought, every attitude, every action starting to be in sync with the Father's heart. We look around at people around us and we feel what God feels for them. We feel the compassion. We look at the immigrants. We look at the poor. We look at those that are fatherless. We look at the children that are struggling with education. We look at the um, people that are unemployed. We look 
at all the needs and we see opportunities for God's love. Just like Jesus looked at all the needs as opportunities to express the Father's heart. Living in love, acting in love, self-controlled, full of joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and full of dynamic power and ability from the kingdom of God to be able to represent him to the world around us that desperately needs hope. We are overflowing with thankfulness to Jesus today for his love, for his willingness to lay down his life, and to offer every single one of us who hears this message the offer of a new heart and a new spirit. How is your heart this morning? How can we respond to this resurrection message? First of all, I want to ask you, do you need a new heart? Some of you have been struggling for years, and maybe others of you, this comes as quite a shock, but you recognize it's true, that based on the evidence of your life, you need a heart transplant. You need a new life. You know that you've been living in sin and living a dead-end life apart from God, and today you hear this message to repent, to turn away from sin, and to Seek God for a new heart and live. I want to invite you. It's as simple as that. Turn away from sin and turn to God and ask for help. Ask for him to give you a new heart and to put his Holy Spirit in you. Our church is so eager and ready to help you with this new life. And so on this liturgy or on our website you can go to our website goldavenuechurch.org and in that second section there's a welcome to the church and there's a connect with us button there are people who would love to talk to you and help you start walk this new life and learn from Jesus others of you are you full of joy and thankfulness today as I am for your new heart and how the Holy Spirit has filled you. And I had an idea because I was reading on this hospital page these testimonies of um, heart patients who had waited and gotten transplants, and then they wrote their stories of gratitude to the hospital, and they told about what their life was like after their heart transplant. And um, I thought, you know, isn't the church like a hospital? And what would it be in this time when we can't, maybe we're having more restricted interactions with people because of COVID, but can't we express to God and give hope to others by sharing our stories? And so um, we talked as a staff and we thought, yeah, we could do that. And so on our Facebook page, you can go there and um, you can post a testimony of how God's given you a new heart and a new spirit and what that means to you. Or you could even just um, post something simple, like we thought, hashtag new heart, hashtag new spirit, hashtag new, and you can fill in the blank. So maybe he's given you new hope, or maybe he's given you new peace, or maybe he's given you 
new um, healthy relationships, whatever you would like to give credit to God for, because he's given you this new life in Christ, we want to give the opportunity um, to share your testimony and share it in a very public way. If we were having church service gathered together on this Sunday, we would be inviting testimonies. But instead, we're inviting testimonies that maybe could have a worldwide impact um, and not just limited to one church gathering. And so I want to encourage each of you. And if you aren't on Facebook, then again, just send us a note through our goldavenuechurch.org website and um, we'll post it for you. And then finally, we can express our worship to God for all that he's done. And so let's sing to our king with sincere hearts and exuberant praise as we get ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We're going to sing these song lyrics. And the morning that you rose, all of heaven held its breath till that stone was moved for good for the lamb had conquered death and the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. Praise forever to the King of Kings. Amen.